Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkingACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokie Smash. I'm going to turn it over to our moderator, Matthew, as we welcome our podcast guest. Jeff, I don't see Chris here yet, uh, so we're gonna have we're gonna just talk here a little bit. Uh, but we'll see if he joins us. If not, we'll have to reach out. We'll have to reach out to him and probably start again. Um, so, what were your thought? What what are your what are your thoughts uh, about the FSU's athletic director's uh, recent comments on uh, the on the ACC and revenue generation, Jeff? Um, I mean, as usual, when, when things like this come out, they, they, um, get, get over exaggerated, they get over, you know, dramatized, uh, with the reality of what's really going on. Um, uh, Florida state or anyone else in the ACC is it, not leaving. It, it's not happening. There's not even a question about it. There's not some magical loophole that's going to break the grant of rights. The conference is not disbanding. Um, I, you know, it's crazy how this stuff starts up every few months. Um, that that grant of rights has been looked through backwards and forwards by multiple people, many lawyers, and you know, no no one's just going to go ahead and, and, and challenge it. That said, um, I, I think some of the comments he he said, you know, are are pretty important because. He's trying to protect Florida State, and that's exactly what he should do. And it's it's not about trying to leave the ACC. You know, that, that might be something to talk about in seven or eight years. Um, but he, he definitely is looking for the unequal. Uh, oh, I see. I see Chris here. Uh, before I finish my thought, let me send the invite to you, Chris. There we go. Oh, we got you, Chris. So I'm going to finish my last thought on this for, for, for Matthew. Um, he, he's definitely posturing for un, unequal revenue distribution uh, with the ACC. The Clemson AD actually made similar comments recently. They weren't quite as, um, um, I, I w- they weren't quite as picked up nationally as what the Florida State AD said. And if I'm those ADs, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. We know there's going to be a, a revenue gap. And we know that what their value is to the ACC with, with television viewership and football, and they're, they're doing exactly what, what they should do. And he, they're, you know, they're making their case known. And what I really think it does it, it, and this is something we've taught about Matthew, that this is putting pressure on Jim, Jim Phillips to do something, anything. And we haven't heard from the guy in like six months, except for um, hearing about, uh, telling uh, ACC coaches not to complain about officiating. Um, I do think uh, eventually there will, there will be something to do with, with the unequal revenue distribution. I'm not sure how it, it'll look. I don't think anyone should look at it like it's a, it's some, it's a solution to the ACC. It's not, it's just going to, it would just be a stopgap. But if I'm a team that's not going to benefit from that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll vote for unequal, regis, uh, unequal unequal revenue distribution 
and you're adding about 50 more dollars to the exit fee plus your grant of rights because if anybody tries to leave i'm getting a windfall so i mean don't think for a second some of these other programs that may not benefit in the way florida state and clemson do are just gonna you know sign away the right to to millions of dollars not not right now because they're not going to just be able to up and leave if they're unhappy with the decision. Um, so if I'm one of those other other programs, I'm, I'm asking for something in return. And I, I think that's what the Florida State AD is really going after. He's going after the unequal revenue distribution. He's not trying to leave the, the ACC right now because he can't. That's true. I'll just say briefly uh, that Jim Phillips maybe needs to follow up on my proposal about strategic planning and Virginia Tech's uh, Virginia Tech PhD student from 1985 that said that the ACC was not using the stool, the uh, tools of strategic planning. And I'm wondering if Jim Phillips is as well. So, 100%. <laughs> so Chris Dowardine, welcome to the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. This is the longest running independent Atlantic Coast Conference podcast in the United States. We are thrilled to have you on this show. You are a new guest. You do, you have done college hoops bracketology for years at SB Nation. You're a training developer and editor. You're you're a an alum of the University of Florida in broadcast and political science. You are the man when it comes to bracketology. You were the man before it became cool when it came to college hoops bracketology, and we're thrilled to have you come back on the show. Welcome to this show, Chris. Please tell us about yourself, Chris. The floor is yours. Thanks, Matt and Jeff. It's a, it's a kind of you know one of those big weeks. <laughs> it's the busiest two weeks of the year for me right now. Um, I've been doing this, as you said, since, what, 2006, and then with SB Nation since 2009. Um, longest professional relationship I've ever had. Um, yeah, and it has really become a cottage in industry in that time. You know, it's kind of like when, when Wordle, when they finally opened up Wordle, and then you had all these kind of, you know, variants pop up. That's kind of how it is with bracketology. It seems like a lot of people are doing it now. Which I think is great because that gets you know more attention on it and more attention on the process, which is uh, definitely what we need. I'm in Chicago, um, not home of Northwestern. That's in Evanston, but you know they're kind of our only team in town right now that's doing much of anything. And uh, we have the Big Ten tournament coming up next week or week after next, and that will be very very interesting as we will probably touch on as we uh, continue tonight. I mean, you and I, you and I have obviously gotten way back because you live in the DMV. And yeah. we, went, we went to we went to a great game, right, at George Mason University yes. between Northern Iowa and George Mason, and it was it was fun. And I, I'm sure I'm going to ask yeah. you about this a little later in the podcast because I, I, I of course have a, a I, I'm a big fan of Ben Jacobson. We went yeah. to high school together. We went to high school together years ago, and. You know, each time I think that they're out, they come back in the picture, yeah. right? Yep. You know, I mean, he's a heck of a he's a heck of a coach. So let's get right to it, though. This is an ACC centric podcast. Who is your ACC team of the week? And then we're going to go on the flips. Who is your most disappointing ACC team of the week? The floor. 
Well, I think that there's really only one choice for your team of the week, and that's Pitt. I mean, you know, we talked about it on, you know, on Twitter in particular, the, you know, the job that Jeff Capel has done there. I mean, that program was, you know, after Kevin Stallings left was, you know, just a smoldering crater. And, you know, now they're on the verge, you know, they, they took care of business against Georgia Tech. They took Syracuse, my other team, to the woodshed last night. And they are in position, you know, you know, they get Miami on the road to finish the season. They win that. They're going to be, you know, the number one seed in the ACC tournament, the, the unofficial regular season championship. And, you know, they're a lock at this point for the NCAAs, which you never thought you would never have thought was possible back in November. So, yeah, I think that they are pretty clearly the team of the week for me. How about your most disappointing team of the week? <laughs> well, on the flip side, you know, on Wednesday, I put out a, a bubble watch lock post, and I had finally at that point said, yeah, I think that NC State has done enough, especially with NC State playing three home games that week, you know, taking care of North Carolina, you know, not having any issues with them, taking care of Wake. And then Saturday afternoon, <laughs> Clemson comes in town and just absolutely demolishes them. And, of course, the Wolfpack will have the bye on Saturday to wrap up the season. But they have a very interesting game coming up against Duke um, that they might very well need at this point, despite me anointing them as a lock, you know, just four days ago. Fair enough. Fair enough. Those are all good, very good points. Jeff, you're up. All right. Thanks. You. Thank you, Matthew. Um, Chris, what ACC game are you looking forward to the most this upcoming week? And who needs to be on upset alert? Well, you know, I'm not going to go with the obvious answer for Saturday. Um, in terms of Duke UNC, which of course will take up all the oxygen of the room on ESPN on, you know, probably from Thursday on. Um, my pick is that Miami Pitt game because, you know, not only is it important, you know, for Pitt to complete that turnaround, you know, Miami, after losing to FSU at home once again on Saturday, is now in trouble. You know, they're in a position now where they really need that game against Pitt if they want to have any chance at being a top four seed. And, you know, that's something that, you know, with Virginia's struggles lately, that's something that could really, you know, be a major problem for the ACC in terms of their perception nationally. And that, you know, Virginia was a three seed, you know, in the committee's bracket reveal. They've fallen off a little bit. They may not, you know, be even a four seed at this point. Miami was looking good to be a four seed, loses that game. So they have to be able to pick up that game um, on Saturday, you know, when it end Pitt's hopes of, of winning an outright title. Um, upset alert, like I said, NC State taking on Duke on Tuesday. Yes, it's a road game, but Duke, you know, having North Carolina coming up on Saturday, they can't get caught looking ahead, and I think the Wolfpack are going to be kind of angry after what happened on Saturday. Um, and then speaking of Clemson, they take on Virginia in Charlottesville. Virginia has been playing with fire lately. They've gotten burned the last couple of games. And this is another one where I think they got to be really careful because Clemson is going to be playing inspired, knowing that after following up that win against NC State, you know, beating Virginia, 
that would probably lock them up even with you know some of the questionable losses that are on their selection sheet at this point. All right, very good. Um, Chris, uh, what are some of the national games that you're looking forward to this week? No, oh, I mean, it's the final week of the regular seasons. So you're going to have just pretty much, you're going to be spoiled for choice over the next seven days. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, starting earlier in the week, Texas Tech, Kansas, you know, after losing to TCU on Saturday, the Red Raiders, you know, they were almost there. They had almost gotten themselves right back into the tournament conversation. They lose that game. Now they have to go to Kansas. If they win that game, they're going to be back in the thick of it. You know, if not, they're going to end up needing to do some serious work at the Big 12 tournament. Um, San Diego State, Boise State, um, Broncos lost to San Jose State after overtime. Um, and, you know, that kind of had put the Aztecs right in position after their buzzer beating win over New Mexico. You know, I think San Diego State, you know, that's a really good shot for them to clinch the conference title finally. Texas plays TCU. And, you know, this is going to be pretty Big 12 heavy at this point. Um, you know, Longhorns got run out of the gym by Baylor. TCU picked up a nice surprise road win. You know, so now they're kind of at the point now where TCU had kind of fallen off in terms of being a protected seed candidate. They can kind of get back there if they can knock off Texas with Texas, you know, kind of falling off the two line after losing to Baylor. Michigan, Illinois, which, um, you know, here on Buzzer Beater Weekend, as we've dubbed it, you know, you had Illinois losing at Ohio State, which is just a terrible loss, even if the net doesn't think Ohio State is a terrible team. And then Michigan, you know, basically saving their season by, you know, forcing overtime with Wisconsin and winning that game. That's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And on the flip side, Wisconsin hosts Purdue, and the Badgers need that game. The Boilermakers have kind of fallen off from, you know, being the number one overall seed at one point, you know, right before the selection committee secret reveal or bracket reveal, now they're in a position where they might end up being a two seed, you know, if things fall off. Um, there are going to be some big games in the Pac-12 because you have the Arizona schools heading to L.A., so Arizona State has opportunities against UCLA and USC. You know, USC in turn has those opportunities. Then, of course, you think about Arizona-UCLA, which even though the Bruins have already won the Pac-12 regular season title, well... They don't have the quality wins that Arizona has, which has the Wildcats probably a little bit ahead of them in the race for that one seed. That could change if they win at Poly, you know, on Saturday. So that's another big one. And I'm just kind of looking through here. You are just going to be absolutely spoiled for choice. Saturday, Kansas, Texas. Kansas State, West Virginia. Kentucky, Arkansas. Alabama, A&M. Texas A&M has gone from basically – you know, a 10 seed to a six in about three weeks. And they can end up, you know, sharing the SEC title if they can beat Bama and College Station on Saturday. So that's, you know, another huge game. UConn-Villanova with the Wildcats being resurgent is big. Utah State-Boise State, another big bubble game. It starts with the Aggies, you know, being consistently, you know, the highest team in both net and Ken Palm to pretty much be left out of everybody's brackets because of their lack of quality wins, that can change. Houston, Memphis on Sunday, Illinois, Purdue, Michigan, Indiana. Northwestern Rutgers has suddenly gotten pretty important 
um, with Rutgers pulling a, just a shot comeback win over Penn State tonight and Northwestern losing, you know what, Maryland earlier today. All right, Matthew, do you have something here you wanted to add? Chris, uh, I can't let you go to the next question here without asking you about the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament because that's coming up too. Yep. Yes, yes, it is. And, you know, today we had, you know, Bradley beat Drake um, to get the number one seed. Um, Southern Illinois will be the three. You know, the four seed is going to be Belmont. Um, it's going to be very interesting, though, because this is going to be the first year of a 12-team Missouri Valley Tournament. So instead of having, you know, that evening doubleheader on Thursday, you're going to have a full day of games um, with everybody from the eight seed and the nine seed in the first game. It's going to be Illinois State and Northern Iowa, which is going to be very interesting, I think. Um, but it's going to be one of those tournaments where typically the teams that play on Thursday don't really go that far. But who knows with this new setup, you know, how it's going to go. The top of the league was fairly balanced, um, you know, especially if you kind of take Evansville and UIC out of it. Um, so you never know with these things. It could be a very fascinating week. Um, and, and you know, who knows, you know, Drake or Bradley, if they make it, they're probably going to end up being a 12 seed. You know, anybody else, probably going to be a little bit lower. Would you want to play, let's say you're, uh, let's say you're Virginia. Let's use Virginia as an example. Do you want any part of a Northern Iowa who wins the, uh, wins the, wins the uh, Missouri Valley? Probably not. <laughs> and I think that this is almost a problem more for, you know, speaking of kind of how Virginia is this year, you know, they're one of those teams that I kind of am thinking might be kind of on upset alert just because the way they play, they don't have, they don't quite have the balance they have in the 2019 national title year. This is kind of more like the 2018 team that obviously got 16 over one upset, you know, became that first ever victim. You know, the offense is not consistent enough that, you know, that first game could very much be a crapshoot. And if you got a team against, you know, like Northern Iowa, who is going to be able to probably lock down Virginia pretty well, I mean, they're going to probably play a similar style. I think that could be an opportunity there for, you know, an upset pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeff, you're up. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, Chris, how many ACC teams do you think end up in the NCAA tournament? And, you know, I, I look at, at Clemson in North Carolina. Boy, they had they had big weeks this past. Mm -hmm. I mean, they needed to have big weeks, and they did have big weeks to, to kind of, you know, they, they, they were on the wrong side of the bubble, both of them. Yeah. And now, uh, you know, they're in the picture. Uh, Clemson looked great against Syracuse. Um, not an unexpected win at home, but did that win we talked about it at NC State, they they look, you know, they they played fantastic. Maybe their best game of the of the year, and this was after that Louisville, that devastating yeah. Louisville loss from a couple from a you know ten days ago, and then North Carolina, uh, you know, they barely escaped Notre Dame. I mean, they were they were just a handful of moments 
a handful of minutes from taking a loss at Notre Dame, which would have just ended their chances. They survived that game and then looked great against Virginia. And you talked about Virginia's uh, struggles. North Carolina really took advantage. Um, Yeah. You know, they've made some good moves this week. How does the rest of the ACC look with the NCAA tournament? Well, I think at this point, I think it's going to probably be six. Um, Obviously, I think you have, you know, Virginia, Miami, Pitt, Duke, and still, even though they probably shouldn't be a lock at this point, NC State. Um, Clemson has, you know, seen their profile improve tremendously. Um, You know, where, you know, they had kind of been in real trouble in terms of metrics. You know, now their net's up at 58, which is definitely not, you know, something that's going to keep the committee from selecting them. That's, you know, that's, you know, within range in this new net universe that we live in. Their predictive metrics are getting better. They're still not great, but they're they're there. Um, the losses are a little bit worrisome. I mean, you know, Loyola Chicago, bad loss. Louisville, probably one of the worst losses you can, you know, take in a season. Um, South Carolina, the good thing for them is South Carolina is getting better. So that's now a quad three loss instead of a quad four loss, which has helped, you know, five and five on the road. I think that, you know, they get, you know, a win in Greensboro, you know, they're going to be able to get some help there. I think in terms of, you know, looking a little bit better and playing away from home. So Clemson has really kind of gotten itself, you know, in position here, North Carolina, the problem for them is of course, is, is the record in quad one. You know, if they beat Duke, you know, they'll be able to get to two and eight in quad one games. And that's probably, you know, it's not great. But then again, you kind of look at the teams in the Big 12, you know, West Virginia, you know, they're going to be, you know, something like five and 11. You know, right now they're you're four and 12 in quad one games with no wins against, you know, that quad one A group, um, which is the top 15 at home, top 25 in a neutral floor and top 40 on the road. If North Carolina can beat Duke, they're going to be comparable. They're not going to have any bad losses. Computer numbers are, are not as great as West Virginia's, for example, but they're still pretty good. Um, so I think that, you know, that will really help their, their case. And, you know, at that point, you know, depending on what else happens nationally, that opens up the chance for a seventh ACC bid. And then you never know what's going to happen in the conference tournament because the last two years, Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech have won it. So you could have somebody catch fire and, you know, Clemson and NC and North Carolina in particular, you know, they have enough talent to pull that off and, you know, and to win three or if need be four games in that many days. All right. That, that, you know, we, we won't, we're still a week away from it, but man, that the ACC tournament is going to have so much on the line. Um, can't can't wait for that. I mean, and I, and I I agree with with you. I I like the the five that you have pretty much as locks, um, or that will likely get in. I think right now Virginia and Miami are are your only two locks at the moment. Duke yeah. is very very close. Um, you know I'm going to be just a little more optimistic. I I think Clemson and UNC will find their way into the into the field, but we just have to see. And that kind of gets into my next question. Um, that our next question here. You know, who are going to be some of these NCAA bid stealers we need to be aware of that the Clemsons and the North Carolinas better keep an eye on and 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 keep things moving forward? 
Well, I mean, I, I mentioned Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech over the last two years in the ACC, and, and my immediate impression with the way this season has gone is that we are probably going to have a year that's more like 2021 in terms of having, you know, maybe some real out-of-left-field auto-bid winners in the multi-bid conferences. Um, the first one that kind of jumps out at me, of course, obviously, is Villanova, which is finally healthy, finally playing to what, you know, their preseason expectations were, you know, and they, you know, get it on running Madison Square Garden, you know, they're going to probably, you know, win the Big East tournament title, and that's going to be a bid gone. You know, they have a game with UConn coming up, you know, in Philly on Saturday. That's going to be a very interesting test to see if they can actually maybe pull that off. Um, but uh, but we had no expectations two years ago for Georgetown or Oregon State or Georgia Tech. So you've got to really keep an eye on those early conference tournament games, particularly on Wednesday and Thursday, you know, to see if, you know, any of those potential danger teams could kind of break through. You've got a few other conferences that I think could be interesting. The, the Mountain West, um, you know, say Utah State, who's kind of that, team kind of outside looking in New Mexico has fallen off and is in the same position. If one of those two teams goes on run, you know, then you have a four bit mountain West and that's another at large spot gone. Um, you know, the, the one bid leagues, I think that where there might be the most question, of course, the summit Oral Roberts, you know, 18 and 0 in conference play. Um, I think that that's a team that if they don't win the conference tournament title and they don't lose in the first game, like South Dakota State did a couple of years ago, I think that they're going to get a really strong look. Um, FAU, I think, is pretty close to being a lock as long as they don't lose to Rice this week, for example, or they don't lose too early in the Conference USA tournament. Charleston, if they can get to the final of the CAA, if they lose to Hofstra again, I think they're going to have a very good case. The other one earlier in the week, kind of along with the CAA, is the WCC. And um, Gonzaga and St. Mary's have dominated that tournament. I mean, it's pretty much the one and the two seed ever since they moved to Vegas. The one and the two seed has always won it. And it's always been either, Gon either Gonzaga or St. Mary's. You know, BYU, when they came over, this is going to be their last tournament. People thought they would break that duopoly. They didn't. You know, they got to the final a few times, always lost to Gonzaga. You know, Santa Clara is the three seed. Loyola Marymount's the four seed. Loyola Marymount's beaten both St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Santa Clara's a pretty good team. They'd probably have a marginal bubble case um, if things had gone slightly differently, but I think they're going to be a very dangerous team, um, especially potentially playing Gonzaga in the semifinal on Monday night. So that's another one where, you know, there could be a three-bid West Coast Conference, which would, again make things really nervy over the final six days. All right, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you now for the last couple questions in the podcast. So Chris, now we, we know the seeds aren't out yet, right? But, mm -hmm. you, but you do bracketology for us. All you know, you do, you do bracketology for the world and you, you have a good, 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 probably a good picture on who some of the double digit seeds are. Who do you think? Who do you think could drop in your imaginary world? I guess here, your bracketology world, uh, as I say here, your hypothetical world, however, however you want to say it, in, in the in the first round, some some double digit seeds that could pro possibly advance this year. Well, 
first I'm going to focus on a couple of opponents. As I mentioned, Virginia as one team that, you know, could be ripe for an upset. Another team is Tennessee, who's been one of the most inconsistent teams early in the season. I mean, losing to Colorado, then, you know, looking like absolute world beaters. Now they've fallen, fall, kind of fallen back to earth. And a big reason for that is they don't really have a go-to score. So they don't have somebody, you know, who can kind of take over the game when things get a little bit tight. So the way they, they're trending, you know, they were looking like a two seed. Now they're looking more like a four or a five. So if this keeps up, when that bracket comes out two weeks from tonight, and I see Virginia and Tennessee, I'm going to be looking at immediately who those teams are playing. And, and I'm going to think really hard about picking that, that team to get the upset and win there. Um, one team I think that we really want to do talk about, again, is Oral Roberts, because Max Abnes is still there. He's still running point. He's still scoring a ton of points. They made the Sweet 16 a 15 seed. They're going to probably be a 12. If they win the Summit League tournament, they're going to probably be an 11, maybe even a 10. So that's going to be a squad to kind of keep an eye on that could definitely make the second weekend. Um, a couple power conference teams that might be there. USC, just because they have a ton of talent, they're still learning to play together because of some injuries and some medical concerns. So they're a team that I think if they get the right draw to really do something. Michigan is another squad that just has done you know very well lately and is finally starting to come together um, at the right time for them. Um, and those are really kind of the teams that I kind of am saying might do it. Memphis is another one, another very talented team that if they got the right draw, could go places. Well said. Great analysis. So this last segment, it's kind of fun. The oh, It's an open microphone segment. You get to say whatever's on your mind, Chris. The one thing as I was preparing for this, um, that I want to take note of, and, you know, people have been talking a lot about the ACC this year and national perceptions. And to me, this is something that we, that any power conference, as we move into this age of 15, 16 team, maybe even 20 team leagues, is we really have to kind of think about what happens when you have one year when you have a 30-year conference basically decide to just be terrible. And that's pretty much what's happened to the ACC this year because, you know, you have 15 teams, 10 of whom are mostly doing the right thing, but then you have a full one-third of the membership outside of the net top 150. And that's, that's not something that's great, especially when you have unbalanced schedules because that can really – impact your team's chances of getting it at large. I mean, I'm looking at the teams here. The teams that, you know, going into the season, I think that everybody had pegged as, you know, real contenders, Duke, NC State, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, they only were scheduled to play six games apiece against the teams that ended up being in that lower third, which is great for them except for Virginia Tech losing three of those games. You know, Duke, NC State, and Wake haven't lost any of them um, so far. So that's interesting. And then you look at Pitt and Clemson, who played eight or will play eight games when all is said and done. Both Pitt and Clemson have to play Notre Dame again. Um, Miami's lost two of those games, one at home. Pitt also, curiously, Florida State at home. 
um, which has hurt, I think, a little bit. And obviously, Miami's defense that's going to hurt their seeding. You know, Clemson losing at Boston College and at Louisville, you know, has hurt them a little bit. But I think that the other wins that they've been able to get are going to help. But that's something I think that everybody is going to have to kind of think about as they work on their non-conference schedules and, you know, try to build, you know, a new type of selection profile in this brave new world of supersized conferences. You know, the other conferences that, you know, the Big East only has two such teams. The Big Ten has one. Pac-12 has two. SEC has two. You know, the Big 12 obviously doesn't have any. So all those conferences are immediately, you know, going to have a a better advantage, you know, a stronger advantage of getting those at-large bids because they're not playing so many games against bottom feeders. And I think that conferences really need to figure out, you know, is playing 28 league games you know, really good idea, you know, when you kind of limit your opportunities to get good quality non-conference wins, which serve as the base, you know, of everything statistical that comes, you know, once November and December are finished. Uh, You know, I really think that, you know, the need to get inventory for conference TV networks, you know, might have to take a little bit of a backseat. You know, if you're costing yourself NCAA bids, And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the Transformation Committee and how, you know, funding and distribution, you know, are we going to have wind shares anymore? We don't know how that's going to work. But until we get there, you need to get yourself in position where you're able to kind of keep things at a high level. And, you know, the way that the 15 game, the 15 team, 20 game ACC schedule is working right now, it's it's not great. Boy, that's really outstanding analysis. Uh, I'm going to use my open microphone to ask you a question. And this is one of these rare things where I've seen get this outkick, CBS, Fox, Deadspin, ESPN. They all agreed on something which I thought was kind of remarkable. So now, right? I mean, to a degree, that's probably yes, yeah. kind of remarkable for me to see that. What do you think of how Alabama's handled the Brandon Miller situation? I I think it's been terrible. I think that it's it's been a, an absolute disgrace. Um, you know, and that's not you know jumping to conclusions on you know wh- how Brandon Miller was involved or not involved or whatever. Just the perception is not great, and you know. Just kind of, you know, being involved in what happened there. And, you know, I'm admittedly biased as somebody who has, you know, lost a family member to gun violence, albeit, you know, suicide. It's not something that I take very lightly. And they just are not, they're not, you know, giving anything here to society in just, you know, letting him first off continue to play, then, you know, continuing his little, um, you know, pat down thing in the uh, in the introductions that was discovered yesterday. Um, the whole Nate Oates basically saying wrong place, wrong time, boys will be boys. It, just not taking it seriously enough. And it's just a really sad statement 
um, especially, you know, considering just, you know, how controversial and, and how prevalent gun violence has really become and kind of the bigger issues around that, that it's not being taken very seriously. And the location of it probably doesn't help, um, considering it is Alabama, a state that is very pro-gun rights. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that it's very helpful. And I, I really, you know, wonder, you know, how that's going to affect Alabama the rest of the way, um, especially as you get into these conference tournaments and NCAA tournaments that aren't played you know, in Tuscaloosa at Coleman Coliseum, it could get a little bit rough for them. I, I think you hit that right on the mark because I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's going to be the topic of conversation as they introduce every game. Yeah. On TV. Yeah. And you think about how ESPN has handled it so far, and it hasn't been great. It's been extremely awkward um, thinking, you know, both games so far. Both at South Carolina, you know, and then back at home against Arkansas on Saturday. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to be the producer dealing with that, but I also don't think that, you know, talent really necessarily, you know, you know, shown, you know, showed their best sides either. Well said, well said. Jeff, you're up, friend. All right. Um, you know, it, We've 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 uh you know we've been tough on on ACC Commissioner Jim Jim Phillips. We even talked a little about it at the beginning of the podcast. But one thing he should be given credit for in the ACC, and something that you'll see this week, is is the ACC Women's Basketball Tournament. Um, if if you look at the games this week, you'll notice that every single um game. Uh, except for the championship game, which will be on ESPN, is going to be on the ACC network. There's not going to be any more mixed coverage between uh, the regional sports network and something here on the ACC network. Uh, and this kind of disjointed coverage that that has happened in years past. And we knew this was coming, but to see it now in 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 reality. Is, is really welcome for ACC fans. And it's going to be the case for baseball too. And, and that drove me nuts during baseball, uh, during the ACC tournament baseball, where you're, you're watching the ACC network, you're kind of getting coverage. They're talking about the games on, on, on the regional sports network. And, and you want to just go to the, to the ACC network. That's what it's there for, you know, to watch events like that. Um, and so, this week, though, you have the women's basketball tournament all on the ACC network. It should be a great, uh, uh, should be a great event. Um, this is going to be a tournament that's going to have anywhere from eight to nine uh, teams that are going to probably be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, there's probably not a number one seed in there the way there's been in the past, but I mean, you could you could look at North Notre Dame, Duke, Virginia Tech could all you know, get to the two line based on the results of this tournament. And you go further down um, the brackets to the, you know, the NC States at number eight. Uh, you got Syracuse at number nine, uh, you know, trying to, to lock up bids. I think NC State will be fine. Uh, but, you know, Syracuse there, even down to, to Clemson, you know, they got a big win over Florida State 
today and they were talking about them having a shot at the NCAA tournament if they were to make a, a run. So, you know, keep, keep an eye out for the ACC women's tournament and glad to see it, you know, at a one-stop location of the ACC network. Well said, Jeff. Well said. Chris, we're so happy you came on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast with us and spent your Sunday night with us. And we would love to have you come on the show again. Thanks again for coming on and spending your time with us, Chris. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right. Have a great week, guys. Take care. You too.